Hello everyone and welcome back to This Makes Us Uncomfortable. Um, thank you so much for listening. My name is Candice. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. Um, I'm with Gael today. Hey, it's Gael. I use she, hers pronouns. Awesome. So today, um, as per usual, we're going to talk about what makes us uncomfortable. And I think the thing that I'm thinking about that makes us that makes me uncomfortable is like self-reflection. I've been trying really hard to reflect on like my interpersonal relationships and just the way that I interact with other people and trying to take feedback that other people have given me in the past and see how I've grown, but I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't like the reflection part. I'm really bad at reflecting, but I need to grow in that area of my life. True. And like, I feel like reflection is so like vulnerable. I'm just like, oh, do I have to do this? I don't mind being vulnerable with other people. I don't like being vulnerable with myself, I think is the thing. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell someone my like deepest, darkest secrets. Like, But you won't tell yourself. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. All right, Gael, what makes you uncomfortable today? Um, I think I already touched on it, but I think being vulnerable, especially with, like, people I don't know, mm-hmm. because it's, like, that's, like, a very precious thing, because, like, me being heart-to-heart with anyone, I feel like that's precious, so I really try to get to know people before I'm vulnerable. Yeah. But do you think you're ever vulnerable? Like, do you think you're vulnerable with people you know? Yes, and this is what hurts me when I really, like, not that doesn't happen often because I'm very careful. Yeah. But in a sense, like if someone disappoints me and like I was like, dang, I was vulnerable with you and now you're disappointing me. I'm upset. Yeah. Like, like it's like the Capricorn in me. I'm just like, dang, you tried it. Yeah. But you know, it's always exciting getting there. So. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone about this like last night or the night before, and just the sense that like there are people that I was really really close with and that know so much about me that. I am no longer friends with and it just bothers me so much that they have such deep personal information about me like for a while like can I erase your memories <laughs> I don't want you to know those things That's anymore so and I think it also touched back on like my background too because you know like well I grew up in a very Caribbean home yeah. And you know, like, how it was very, like, encouraged to be like, hey, you gotta be the strongest person you need to be. Yeah. And, like... Especially as black women. Yeah, true. And it's like, well, you, I need to be vulnerable, too, sometimes. So it's yeah. like being, like, learning how to do that. Like, effectively as an adult. It's like, dang, my mom told me to be the strongest person ever. But I guess I need to, like... Not that I can't be strong while being vulnerable. I just need to, like, take it soft and easy sometimes. I feel you. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, again, thank you all so much for listening. We are back better than ever. We have better audio quality. Um, I'm really excited for today's topic. Um, And for those of you who don't know, um, or, again, it's the second episode, but this makes us uncomfortable. It's just really about talking about things that make me uncomfortable that I'm trying to learn or or even things I know about. I may have difficult times talking to other people about it. You may have difficult times talking to other people about it um and even if you're comfortable with them like you know reaching out to someone else and being like I really want to talk about this can be weird um we're gonna talk about a bunch of different things like we've already talked about sex and apparently we have a lot of sex (laughs) questions today that we'll get to um things like justice and equality and what those things really mean things like oppression and interpersonal relationships like your friendships and things like that, and mental illness, all types of things we're going to be talking about, and I'm really going to be putting myself out there, (laughs) Um, and we are going to just dive right in, because I think that discomfort is how we grow. True. Um, I think I wanted to say something about the title of your podcast. Okay, go ahead. And, you know, making sure my, this makes us uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like as humans, I know that for me for sure, is that what's comfortable or not comfortable is really what guides what I do. Like, whoever I hang out with is like, oh, they're really comfortable and they're fun. Or, I don't know that much about this thing, so I'm very uncomfortable in that area. Maybe I should learn more. So, um, I think this, um, like your podcast... I see it as a really good tool to build community in a sense like we can learn how to build a community that's more um, healthy that's not just like trauma bonding that's not just like 
oh, I'm comfortable or uncomfortable, that's all I'm doing. It's like, I want, I like how this is a space for anyone can grow in various, like, aspects, you know? Yeah. Thanks, Gael. You're welcome. Um, so you all DM'd me some questions, um, and we're going to answer them. The first question <laughs> that I got is, how do you politely tell your partner to step up their sex game? Um, this is a really great question and I really appreciate someone asking. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that you need to do, and this is not just in sex, like in all areas of your life, whether you're talking to your boss, whether you're talking to your friends, just give constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Just say what is happening that you do really like, um, things that you're, are happening that you don't like or things that you want to try. Like make sure you map out however it is that you go into, um, not conflict situations, but like deeper conversations whether that's you write things I personally write things down when I'm about to talk to someone about not something (laughs) serious but like something that is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for me to talk to them about or I'm really nervous about talking I guess yeah just in general things that make you nervous um whether that's you know talking it out with a friend first about what you plan on saying anything like that but just have a very constructive conversation about what you like and what you don't like. Make sure you tell them what you do like as in addition to what you don't like about the situation. Um, and yeah. So I took a interpersonal psychology class over the summer. Mm. Right? My last semester of college, I took this class. And I learned so much about relationships and just like sex life. And I think one thing that's really important is like, like you just touch on communicating but not just like communicating like effective communication because I've seen that in like a lot of couples um or just random people who are hooking up you know do you they tend to be very antagonistic sometimes when they're communicating so making sure that you don't like raise your voice or be very like accusatory or like so it's very important to maintain that like hey, this is my tone, this is what I want, this is what's not right, and what can we do to make this better? Yeah. And I think that's, like, the way to go if you're trying to improve your sex life. Yeah. And if this person isn't receptive to that, that's kind of, like, a yellow flag. It's a red. It's a red. (laughs) It's a red. It's a red, I guess. Flags up. Flags up. That's not okay, because you're communicating what you don't like, and they need to be invested into what you like, and if they don't, they should not be a sexual partner of yours. It's totally fine if, like, there's, maybe there's aspects that they're not comfortable with, like, if there's, like, specific sexual acts that you want and they're not comfortable with. Yeah, that's totally fine. But, um, just, like, make these, like, hopefully they're receptive and, like, willing to work with you. you yeah, know? working so, together. But we wouldn't want like, to force anyone to do anything. Yeah, everything, as long as you all are consenting mm-hmm. and you really talk about it. I have definitely, um, and I'll talk about this in a different episode, <laughs> but you should definitely make a list of things that you want. It's called a want, will, won't list. Like, things that you want that you really want to try things that you will do that like they're not super exciting to you but like they don't really bother you like you're okay with doing mm-hmm. them and won't it's like I'm not doing this yeah. like don't ask me again mm-hmm. I'm not it's a no um and then someone also asked how to tell your ask your partner to introduce sex toys um without hurting their feelings and I would say just the exact same thing just one I've definitely heard someone being like uh stroking their ego and let them know that you do still enjoy the sex you just want to try something different um and explain how that's going to be beneficial to both you Mm -hmm. and them and how it could make things more exciting or why it would make again the situation better for the both of you and Again, communicating that this is just what you want and obviously like what they consent to doing is what they consent to doing, but definitely making sure you explain what different sex toys are, what you're trying to use, like being more specific. Don't just be like, I want to use sex toys. Like what sex toys <laughs> do you want to use? True. What was I going to say? Um, so I like to use like this analogy, like, Hey, we're humans, right? But yeah. Some of us can't see as well. We wear glasses. Like, there are certain things that need, like, slight, you know, extra help, enhancement. And I feel like that's one of those things, you know? Yes. I agree. Um, And then the last question that we're going to answer today is how to tell if you're in a codependent relationship. This is a great question. Um, I would say a co- there's a lot of different things that can help you. But just a couple of them is 
one, whether or not you set boundaries with that person, um, like whether or not you're just like letting them like do anything, like things that they wouldn't, you wouldn't let other people do, like call you at two o'clock in the morning and you have different boundaries for different relationships. That's perfectly fine. Um, but if you're like breaking boundaries that you know would make you uncomfortable, um, or that do make you uncomfortable, but you're doing it anyway because of that person, that's red flag. Um, relationships or I see them, especially like romantic relationships, they're like a slight step up from friendship mm-hmm. in a sense like you have friends and you like hanging out with them, right? Mm-hmm. But there are certain times where you want to be alone, you eat by yourself, you sleep alone. Um, obviously this, that's going to change with like your romantic partner, mm-hmm. but hopefully you still have that, like your own downtime. Cause yeah. once you don't, where once your partner is every, in every single aspect of your life, I feel like that becomes very codependent. Yeah. But and you can definitely have codependent friendships. True. So, well, that's another, you could, yeah, whole, that's an issue too. Yeah. Whole, and also, ooh. yes. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's important to like have boundaries in that sense where your mood is not decided by their mood and like vice versa. Yeah. You know, like if they're having a bad day, you're having a bad day that, and maybe you just coincidentally are having both having bad days. But Mm -hmm. if you're having a bad day because they're having a bad day, that's another flag. I think also if your self esteem and your decision making is wrapped up in what, what they think and what they do don't like or what displeases them I think that that's something that you need to evaluate as well I think a good example of a codependent relationship is Rue and Jules relationship in Euphoria (laughs) like it's just like see how like Rue's happiness and like sadness is so like tied into Jules Jules and how Jules just want to be alone that's like that's an example. So watch Euphoria. Watch Euphoria and then tweet me about it. Yeah, I, I could talk about it forever. Yes. Guyana went through a lot. Yeah, we episode. But we're here. We're, back. we're, we're here. better. <laughs> we're better. We learned a lot. All right. And so today, um, if you want to, um, for us to answer more questions, uh, or for me to answer more questions, um, just send us a DM at us uncomfortable on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email me at this makes us uncomfortable at Gmail. And again, it could be questions that make me uncomfortable. I don't know why y'all want to know about my personal life or anything like that. But if you want to, go ahead. Um, And questions that may be awkward for you or situations and things like that. But today, um, as you know from the title, our main topic is oppression and how we perpetuate oppression, how we experience oppression, and what oppression is and what it looks like. Um, So something that we wanted to talk about that's like a more recent um, form of oppression that's in pop culture is the H&M natural hair situation. Gael, if you want to talk more about it. Yeah, so um, H&M had a, like, a photo shoot, and the concept was, like, sleepy head, pajama, stylish pajamas with kids, and so all the kids had, like, messy hair, like, messy look, and they had, like, really nice pajamas on. There was a white girl, someone with brown um, hair, then there was a black girl, and she had natural hair. It was 4 hair, and her hair was in a bun, but because the concept was messy hair, like when you wake up, you have messy hair, her edges weren't slicked back. and um, She has like hair hanging out of her bun. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's in not there. like a perfect bun, but the reaction to her picture compared to the other children were vastly different and it was because she had 4 hair and it was a lot of it was a lot of black people too who were saying these things like wow her hair is a mess they should have done her hair wise her edges not slick back what's going on she looks like this she looks like that and like it was a like it was an important like self self-reflecting moment for just like a lot of people black people because it was like why is it that this was your first reaction to a black girl with pajamas and her hair like why like it just shows how like normalized bias and hatred of black hair is yeah and just like normalized of like what cultural except like what is acceptable 
um, and how we change those standards completely, completely for different races and also how we can still perpetuate oppression within our own identities. Um, like black people can still, you know, do things that uphold white supremacy. Yes. Um, and I, yep. yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see that. Like a lot of people don't know this about me, but before I went to college, um, I was like super anti-black. It was like a whole problem. Mm. Like I was raised in a very countryfied area and I was just surrounded by anti-blackness, right? Like people, my neighbors got like, we hate Obama flags and stuff. And yeah, it was rough. Um, but I definitely said things and did things that perpetuated anti-blackness. Nothing that was like super, super, super aggressive. Um, but you know, allowing people to say the N-word around me and just other things. And you know, as much as I want to apologize and, and I have made apologies and I have grown for sure, I can't take those actions back. Um, and I definitely still have to pay for those things I think and that's like okay and even though I've grown and no one really still holds it against me but I my point is is that like I caused harm in those situations and like I can't imagine what the little girl who was the model was feeling Mm -hmm. when people were talking about how hideous her hair was can you imagine getting a shoot for H&M as a young child and seeing wow there's a lot of people online who look like me who are coming for my hair. Yeah. That naturally comes up from my head. And, like, this topic really touched me because I went natural when I came to college. And, like, this, like, hair for me has always been personal. Like, yeah, always been like, you. oh, man, I have to do my hair. My hair is a lot. My hair is this. And it's, like, coming to college, I already knew I was going to go natural. My mom did not want me to go natural. And then coming to college and doing so and, like, learning how to, like, take care of my hair yeah. and, like, love my hair. So, you know, it's been a process. Yeah, loving black hair. I went natural when I was a sophomore in college, and, like, learning how to love my hair was rough. Yeah. Just because I had so much, like, anti-blackness. I would have to actively tell myself, like, look at myself in the mirror and be like, do you, does your hair actually look bad? Or is this, like, internalized anti-blackness that you're talking about? But I love my hair. My hair is really cute. And it does not make it any easier, the fact that natural hair products are so expensive. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I can have a whole podcast Let's, 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 we'll pull that. (laughs) Next time. Next time. (laughs) Next time. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to just give a general idea of what oppression is. Um, And so there's a beautiful piece um, by Iris Marion Young. Um, and I will be sent putting links to these readings in, they're not long readings, I promise, um, in the description. Um, but just, she wrote something about the five phases of oppression, faces, excuse me. And one of them is exploitation, which is essentially how we abuse the labor of a lot of um, people who experience oppression, um, marginalization, how we push them towards the edge of society, powerlessness, um, essentially what it sounds like when we, you know, put pe- the people in power are those who have privilege, like white men, cis men, and people who have the ability to make laws and just hire people and destroy our planet and <laughs> do all those things, like they have power. Cultural imperialism is just the idea that we put other cultures and other ideas um, before others. Like she talks a lot about like heterosexuality and how like, and a good example is someone going to buy flowers on Valentine's Day. Someone you're perceiving to be a man um, saying like, I hope your girlfriend likes them or something along those lines, Mm -hmm. just assuming that their partner is of a certain gender. And then of course violence, like all people who experience oppression and marginalized people have like a reason to experience violence. Like all women and a lot of assigned female at birth people have like just a valid reason to be afraid of sexual assault because we just know that it happens so often and um yeah so those are just like the five phases of oppression that we're really going to be focusing on today this isn't a class I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm not gonna lecture you but Gail how do you think that we perpetuate oppression and how have you Perpetuated oppression. Yeah. Um, I'll answer both part of that question. I think 
it's really hard not to perpetuate oppression because we're we live we live in a very white supremacist society in the sense like um our world is built on these ideals and they are the norm right and we've been socialized to believe all these things um yeah so when i was younger like i did i grew up in a very like strict religious home mm-hmm. so like that message of just like oh christianity is the way to go like who cares about anyone else not that it wasn't like that extreme but also at the base it was that was the basis of it i did not know much you know and i would just like say things do things that were just problematic because i didn't know any better it was that that was the way i was raised is what i was doing but i think one thing that's important is that as i got older and i started reading more and realizing hey these are problematic things these are how we were socialized to do these things and that like I actively chose especially in college to like deviate from that because these are hurtful things you know there are things that hurt me and like I don't want to because at the basis of oppression there's a lot of violence associated even if it's just words those words trickle down into violence so like I feel like Mm -hmm. there's no thing I just like oh it's just words these words like trickle down to like violence so i didn't want to perpetuate violence because that's what oppression is to yeah. me does that make sense it's just yeah. violent yeah yeah i think that's something that really annoys me when we talk about oppression is people who think that they don't perpetuate it but also people who think that they don't have privilege like calling them out black men <laughs> okay just black men and not all of them but a lot of the ones that i have interacted with yeah. so, um who are like you know we're black men we don't experience privilege i saw this thing that was like to be african-american is to be african without memory and american without privilege okay i definitely remember that and i definitely was there in a post with you yeah that's a first of all you live in the united states of america do you not understand the exploitation that the united states perpetuates on other countries do you not understand the way that the united states has um just created conflict and is a war machine and has because it's a war machine, you're able to do a lot of the things that you're able uh, to do and benefit, yeah. like, financially. And even if you're going through, you know, hard different times. hard times and things like that, like, you live in the United States and that gives you such a major privilege. And also, if you are a man, you have so much power over women. I remember this person was saying that because... um women have if a woman goes into an interview and the boss wants to sleep with um her then she has a better chance of getting a job which is the most disgusting not the most disgusting thing i've heard but it's up there (laughs) and i was like so because someone wants to sexually harass me like that is go that's a privilege get the hell out of my face so i wanted to add something so i saw this on twitter and i i forgot who tweeted it but i think i'm gonna um stick to that it's that people say privilege a lot and that person said that we should at least instead of saying privilege we should say structural power Mm. in the sense that people when people hear privilege they think this is something that they can opt in and out of Mm, okay while structural power it's it's it like demonstrates that no this is something like you actively hold like even though you say oh i'm white i'm not problematic you still have white privilege so they said to move away from the word privilege and say yeah. power instead yeah. to like stick to just show that like, yo, this is what you wield in society, you know, just from like the day you were born, the fact that you're a man, this is what you like, the fact that you're white, the fact that you're cis, this is the power that you have. Yeah. And like, you need to act actively try to destroy that power. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Um. And also, like, I remember seeing a post saying that, like, we all are oppressive. And I think it's important to notice that, like, we, you are being oppressive and actively work towards not being oppressive. That yeah, that's literally your job. Yeah. Period. You can't, there's no one, I, there's no one that can say, hey, I'm not oppressive. Yeah. Just, like, I think that when we're talking about, one, your actions and the way, like, where you put your money, which is so hard right so like one clothing i don't know of a lot of affordable ethical clothing 
um, that, and even if you like shop somewhere like Goodwill, fun fact, Goodwill um, mm-hmm. abuses disabled labor because in this country, you don't have to pay people with disabilities um, minimum wage. You can pay them less than minimum wage. Yeah. And they definitely take advantage of that. But they're like, but we hire disabled people and people with disabilities. Yeah. And like, no. And another thing about Goodwill is, so the clothes that they don't sell are... African countries are forced to buy, meaning that they trickle down. Literally, it's like a thing that the U.S. does. Like, used clothes, are, they are forced to buy those clothes, and because of that, they can't, like, start their own textile that they have. So this is just, like, it's just, like, like the way, like, the U.S. is oppressive, it's just, like, yeah. when do you stop? Like, where are you not oppressive? Yeah. Tell me now. And so, like, if you want, like, you actively have to be working on overcoming, like, yeah. this, again, this war machine of a country. <laughs> True. Um, but also, like, um, you know, violent actions that you may have done in the past, like, you still are accountable for those actions. Um, I was listening to the read and um, they were talking about um, offensive things that they have said in the past, like Crystal in particular. The read is a podcast, which is literally so amazing. You should go listen to it after you're done listening to this, of course. And um, uh, she was talking about how like you can apologize for like transphobic and harmful things that you may have said, but like mm-hmm. no one has to accept your apology. True. Like, that is not something that you are... You deserve. You're old. Yeah. And, like, you just know that any day someone can come to me like, hey, I remember when you said this problematic thing. And you just, you don't, you shouldn't be like, oh, well, that was so long ago. I moved on. You should be like, yeah, you're right. And I'm taking accountability. And I'm doing yeah. better. Um, and they can still be like, well, you still suck. And that's fine, you know? Yeah. And I think that language is so important. And I refuse to tolerate, listen to anyone who's like, they're just words. No, they're literally not. Like, language has so much power in the way that we view things. There's, like, two words in particular that I feel like I hear really commonly, like, crazy and, like, psychotic or, like, sociopath or things. Those are actual legitimate, Mm -hmm. like, mental illnesses, like, things that you're talking about. And when you say those things, like, you're talking about... Like, you're literally comparing them to people with mental illness. Like, what you're saying is you think people with mental illness are bad. Whether or not you think that's what you're saying, that's what you're saying. I feel like that's, like, one thing that, like, a lot of people who are, um, they, you know, quote-unquote woke, just, like, they don't know the history of, like, mental illness in, like, this world. And, like, like, mental illness is, like, like, it's a marginalized identity in the sense that, like, people have died because they were, like, labeled mentally ill. Does that yeah. Make sense? And, like, yeah. you need to make, like, be careful with your words. And definitely crazy is, like, a word that I used to say all the time. Just, like, to, like... Colloquially. Yeah. But now I, like, looked up a list online, like, things that, like... You can say instead. can say instead. And, like, absurd is, like, one now that yeah. I say all the time. Like, I this love is the absurd. Word. <laughs> I love the word preposterous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's, like, actively doing better. Like, I've avoided that word. And, like, before I came into college, I used to say, hey, you guys, you know, let's do this, yeah. guys. Like, now yeah. I'm y'all. Like, yes, I sound like I'm from Tennessee, but y'all. Okay. <laughs> so, just, like, actively doing better. And, yeah. like... So I just, I work at this new job now, and I, like, started using my pronouns in my email. Like, literally, there's, like, two other people at my work who does that, and it's just, like, making sure... Why wouldn't you? True. (laughs) But, like, making sure that, like, the things you know, also, like, you do them in every space that you're in. Yes. Like, that's so important, just to, like, subtly, like, change culture, and, like, to be clear, like, subtly changing culture is not, that's, like, the bare minimum of what you need to do. You still have to do active work to help end depression. Yeah. But, you know, like, using pronouns and, um, things of that nature are really important. Changing your language. Um, another word that I hear all the time is whore. And, um, like, in the last episode, you'll know that when I was talking about, like, thoughts, sluts, hoes, whatever, I don't use the word whore. And the reason for that is because, like, whore stems from, like, the word sex, not the word sex worker, but stems from the idea of sex workers. And that's just not something that belongs to you because sex workers are Mm -hmm. being murdered and 
um, being attacked by the government instead of being given the assistance that they need mm-hmm. and being criminalized. Um, and horror phobia is definitely like a term, like if you're talking about horror phobia as like a concept, cause that's a term, um, that is talked about hatred towards sex workers is definitely valid, but you have to be super careful about like your language and who you're talking about and what you're saying. And also like a lot of times whore has like a really negative connotation, but it, we talked about that before, like slut, hoe, like these words don't have to have negative connotations in certain sense. Like you can reclaim certain words, but you're not allowed to reclaim, like as a person with mental illness, I can call myself crazy. I'm allowed mm-hmm. to do that. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's like you can reclaim any slur that like you have been oppressed by like you would have to like does that make sense like yeah i i will like i would not say an asian slur because i'm not asian does that make sense like, yeah an asian person can reclaim that slur does that yeah. make sense yeah it's that their, that's their business that's their thing so um yeah just be mindful and i think that also your ideas like bleed into other things um like fat phobia People don't understand that fat phobia literally kills people, especially in the healthcare system. As someone who's currently trying to navigate different things, like, um, I, for example, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, and that has a lot of long-term side effects of, like, um, you know, getting cervical cancer and different things like that, and I was explaining to my doctor that, you know, I want to get, um my blood work done again so we can see where my hormones are at and things of that nature and she was like that's not really necessary and like all these different things and I was like let me try something and I was like you know I'm really worried about losing weight too and she's like you know I completely understand that and I was like bitch losing weight is not more important than cervical cancer like what is wrong with you and there's also so many health problems that people who are fat have that are completely dismissed because they because of how much they weigh and it's really troublesome and like that literally kills them yeah so there is this person on twitter whose name is deshaun harrison i love deshaun yeah and they do a lot of work with like fat phobia and like that i've learned so much this year that's like one of those things that i've learned a lot and how like fat phobia is like so so linked with like anti-blackness and like mm-hmm. and as someone who was like wants to do the medical field that's like one thing that like I like I'm happy that I know more now because there are so many um there's so many illnesses and like things that like people with like a lot of weight have that are ignored because the doctor just tells you hey just get on Weight Watchers that's yeah. not that is not first of all it's not healthy that's not it's just really sad. So I've done a lot of, um, and like the whole thing about like thick and fat, how like yeah. the word thick is actually problematic if you really think about it. Yeah. But we don't have time to get into all that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And I think just important to recognize that colonization is just like a, a root. <laughs> just a, a root of so many problems. Like, I'm here. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. No, I Googled I it. <laughs> breaking any rules. yeah no i like mark all my uh content as explicit so okay all right all right um, so, <laughs> i will be cursing a lot more I'm now <laughs> um but yeah colonization has just like even the way we understand like modern day cis heterosexism is like stem from colonization mm-hmm. before my people were stolen um, a lot of African nations had, um, or recognized African nations, indigenous nations in, um, the Americas, um, Asian country, like all of these countries that had people of color, like actual brown and black people, um, recognized like, uh, several other genders were completely okay with, um, people of the same gender, um, being together, polyamorous relationships, like, that was completely accepted, and that was part of, um, colonization, and when the, um, Christianity was being forced onto these people, like, you can look into these, um, I, it's really hard, I don't really recommend reading what the colonizer said about that, it's really, really rough, um, but they literally, like, 
called us like part of the reason they called us like savages and things like that was because of the way they express sexuality and mm-hmm. gender yeah. um and that like you can't talk about colonization and white supremacy without talking about cis heterosexism like our oppressions are all linked and interconnected and it's really important to like realize that colonization and white supremacy has like the basis in so many other types of different forms mm-hmm. of oppression and yeah colonization is so I wanted to add one last thing about yeah. how you perpetuate oppression. Yeah. And I think at the bottom of it, right, the way your actions really line up with what you say, if you're someone who, like, you think, like, oh, I'm not trying to be problematic, I'm doing better. Who you, like, date and interact with interpersonally, because you cannot be, like, I'm, I hate homophobia, transphobia, anti-blackness, fat phobia, all these things, and date someone who's homophobic, transphobic, speak on it, fat phobic, and like this is a shot at um, Kehlani (laughs) 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 for dating YG, because like, I know nothing about YG, YG is very homophobic, and like colorist too, because I heard he said something about yeah, and like, Kehlani is like, openly just like hey Weird I'm, and, I'm this loving. And, that. and then you're gonna date yg i mean do you but also don't do you yeah you know so yeah yeah i think that matters because that like this is the person you're, you're sharing surrounded. a bed with so clearly you're okay or with- not even just that like someone you're friends with like someone that you're and it's hard to constantly i think there's a difference when you like are trying to like help that person grow there are some people you're not trying to help them grow yeah you just don't care you just don't (laughs) care but when you're trying to like be with people and like have y'all grow together um it's completely different but like you need to be calling people out and like i hear people all the time like it's really hard to call people out i was like you know what else is hard violence (laughs) (laughs) so and the things that they're saying perpetuates violence that's uh systemic as well as interpersonal so yeah that's like that like really shows who you are like who you're dating interpersonal like interacting with if they're problematic then that says a lot about you yeah i think also something that i wanted to talk about is like compassion fatigue um and compassion fatigue is essentially um or activist fatigue is essentially when you're you know you're looking at all the terrible things that are happening in the world and you're just so tired like it's hard like especially for black people to see um you know people getting murdered by the police first of all i would like to address you are not obligated to watch those videos you are not obligated to watch any kind of racial trauma like when they see us ava duvernay a boss like a great piece of work so i've heard i have not seen it yet i will be watching it eventually when i feel when i can emotionally and mentally handle it but i am not obligated to see that and also can you please stop sharing those videos on social media that is just rude and just like so careless like people just like post videos of like black men getting shot down like yeah this does also, not twitter, have to be shared yeah twitter can you like not automatically play videos and yeah can you, like phase out do something like please. twitter needs to do better a lot because y'all yeah, just like yeah. i have also not, i haven't seen when they see us because like remember that, remember that summer 2016 where like everything was just like popping off and there was yeah. like a lot of like, like people dying yeah and like that was very traumatic for me so like i have not seen um like a police video because like i can't i literally like there are times i cannot watch that because my day will get ruined i need like this whole i need a day by myself yeah so yeah yeah and compassion fatigue is really i i get it i do understand you do need to come up with tools Mm -hmm. that you use to repair and replenish yourself when you experience those things and you also need to get over it like when you experience compassion fatigue you need to set things into place where you you know recuperate but you also need to keep fighting yeah like you don't have the option of just like you know this is too much i don't want to learn anymore i don't Mm want to like hear about all the bad things are happening well guess what the people that are experiencing bad things don't want to hear about it either and that's not just like Mm -hmm. you know and especially like people who don't identify as those things like uh what's that guy's name that just kept killing black queer men with meth 
Oh, Ed, that's Ed Buck. Buck. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's really difficult for queer people to hear about. Yeah. And, like, you know, people who are, you know, white, cishet, are like, this is really hard. And I was like, yeah, it is. Imagine if you were actually, like, a black queer person. Like, it's yeah. really and hard for us. three deaths for him to get arrested. Yeah. Three. Yeah. I think the last person didn't die, though. I no, really, the last... They did. Because I thought that oh. they... I thought that they overdosed, but they didn't die. Well, hopefully they didn't. I'm hoping they didn't die. Um, I always add one thing um, about compassion fatigue is that one factor of oppression is how starved, like, ima- like how starved your imagination is as mm. an oppressed person in the sense that, like, you feel like this is always this has always been the way, this will always be, be the way. So then you tend to, like, give up. And I saw a post how an activist said that, to fight that, um, they watch cartoons because cartoons are very like their own universe. It's just like anything could happen in cartoons. And they say that they watch cartoons to expand their imagination. And I feel like imagination is very important in like fighting oppressive systems because you're trying to build a future that's different. Like, radically different from what is. Yeah. And that future's possible. That is. I, like, want... Like, I know we're talking about, like... It is possible. Like, all the things that are negative right now. Um, But liberation is beautiful. And, like, self-liberation is also possible. Like, Mm -hmm. when you start to realize that, like, colonization has created one way... Like, for example, when I started to realize, like, the reason I don't like my hair is because someone told (laughs) me... That my hair wasn't pretty because it wasn't, you know, white. Like, yeah. I was like, damn, I'm beautiful. Like, yeah. I, that makes me feel so much better about the world. And, I'm like, yeah. you know, and like learning things as much as it like can be harm, hurtful sometimes and hard for you to digest. It's also a really beautiful thing. Um, and like love, I like truly believe in the power of radical love. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's self-love or love for other people. Um Alicia Garza and Mm. like the other founders of Black Lives Matter like when they talked about what makes the world like better and like what they believe in and this is like something that's really rooted in like black queer activism I encourage everyone to look into black queer activism in particular and just like black women's activism because Mm. black women Mm -hmm. do it better um do everything better just in case <laughs> you were confused so funny. um and uh like love is such a strong you know yeah. component of everything mm-hmm. that they do like they love each other I remember I was at um a conference and I had to we were pretending to organize around an event like around a uh, traumatic event that happened in a community mm-hmm. and they were one, feeling a lot of fatigue, and also, um, it was someone who experienced police brutality, um, and, um, I mentioned one, like, does anyone know what the family wants us to do before we go in and protest and, like, plan all these things? Like, did we even consider what the people who lost a son would like for us, how they would like for us to proceed? And also, these people are experiencing a lot of fatigue because they're always protesting. They're always doing these things. And they're always, like, on the ground. Um, And please understand that there is a difference between, like, you tweeting. I do think, I really do think that Twitter is, like, a powerful powerful tool. But please understand that there is a difference between marching in the streets and tweeting Mm -hmm. and, like, doing other work than being on social media, but these people in particular were, like, constantly on the streets, constantly raising money and constantly doing these things, and they really needed to repair themselves in the way that, like, when you look at, like, older people who, the way that they organized, and, like, um, Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, and you never really think about those people just, like, sitting in a living room and, like, listening to disco music and just having a good time, Mm -hmm. but that's, like, a way that like you repair yourself and that like in itself is a form of liberation we're just like enjoying your time like enjoying your life what a a concept like laughing Uh, that's my thing it's like this world because like everything is just like a process and like we just have to work to live which i think is just like absurd my favorite word 
Um, so like there needs to be time for us to just enjoy ourselves, you know, just like I'm laughing and I have nothing else to do right now, you know? Yeah, but laugh and enjoy my life. <laughs> yeah. How else, Gael, do you think that we can support liberation of people? And how do you think that we, we've talked about all these negative things and what oppression is, but how do we make things better? Um, I think we need to study past movements. Mm. because that's really important to know what to do like now everything builds up does that make sense yes it's really important to look at what to do now because we can see hey what worked and what didn't work mm. and that is one thing that gets me with a lot of these title chasing folks mm. is that they refuse to read and this is not like i understand reading and, like, books are not, like, accessible to anyone. Yeah. But some people just refuse to do the work. And, like, things about, like, oppression. Like, people have, like, like um, risked their lives to write about these things. Like, yeah. about anti-blackness, homophobia, transphobia. All these things, you know. Mm, ableism. Ableism. And they've, like, written these works. And they've put it out there. And I think it's important for us to read, you know. Do the research. Not just, like... A Tumblr post, no offense to Tumblr, they educate a lot of people. There's, mm-hmm. But there has to be a time where you actually have to become knowledgeable of what you're trying to fight against. Yeah, know? I agree. Um, since you said that, I just want to share some really cool stories. Okay. Um, so, one, I know that when we talk about police brutality... Um, uh, and we, if you've ever heard of a die-in, it's where you like lay on the ground mm-hmm. um, and you... Like, uh, I, I've done one once. It was for, um, the death of Mike Brown. I sat on the, I laid on the ground for every minute that he was left on the ground for every Mm -hmm. hour he was left on the ground. Um, that comes from like AIDS and like act up activism Mm -hmm. and like was shared because people like shared that information and like worked, like worked together. Obviously like having to participate in those things, that's not fun we don't want to have to do those things but like being able to like share that information and also disability activism is bad ass like there's definitely been times where um like people with disabilities have just like like people who are in mobility chairs and stuff have just like laid down on stairs mm-hmm. and been like I can't I'm gonna be in your way because you're in my way so yeah you can figure yeah. that out yeah like, activism is just, like, the things of our past are just so cool, and there's so much to celebrate and love yeah. about the things that the people who have fought for our rights yeah. have done. We've and come so far. So far. S- so much to go. to go. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also so important. Oh, libraries. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> libraries are so cool. I was talking to someone about, like, just the current state of our politicians. I feel like if someone proposed the idea of libraries today, that th- they would definitely be shut down. Because I don't think people understand what kind of, like, you, like you could read Angela Davis and really progressive. For free. For free. Free 99. You could even, like, rent out speeches and stuff. And, like, yeah. There is um, an app. I do believe it's called Overdrive, yes. where if you have a yes. library card, you can you can check out quote unquote check out audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um not just audiobooks. And ebooks. In ebooks, thank you. Um that's the word I'm looking for. Ebooks and look at things. Also PBS is that girl. This that is, girl. I love PBS so PBS. much. Sometimes I literally <laughs> just go on PBS's website. PBS be playing Malcolm X's peaches just it, on a regular afternoon. Period. Like, <laughs> like y'all need to hear this. <laughs> today they made a Black Panthers documentary. Mm-hmm. Um they made Kumuhina, which is a documentary about an indigenous uh hawaiian woman who is trans and she talks about her hawaiian culture and she also talks about like what i was talking about earlier how like in hawaiian culture like transness was more accepted in polynesian culture in general like transness is like um was a part before like colonizers came and you know fucked everything up and i wanted to add one thing yes i think this is very important for people who are based in the u.s is to branch their research away from this country because there has been a lot of movements that tie into the same things that we're fighting that happens in other countries mm-hmm. and we tend to overlook them because like in the US yeah. you're just like the self-centeredness of our culture is yeah. just like oh we're only we're the only ones who exist no there's other people in like all over Latin America and Africa who are who've done the same like who are 
protesting the same thing that we are doing now, you know? Yeah. Especially police brutality. I would say if you're an activist who works in police brutality and you don't do any research on what's going on in Brazil, that, like, you're failing because, one, Brazil has the number one, like, the highest percentage of black people outside of Africa. Yeah. And they have the worst police ever. Like, ever. So, I just think we need to, like, branch out. Um, yeah, I agree. Also, there's just a lot of history that you should understand, Mm -hmm. even if it's not things that are applicable. Like, I once learned, um, during the Haitian Revolution, which I could go (laughs) on forever about the importance of Haiti, um, and the way that we do activism, but we can have that conversation another another time. time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, but I learned during the Haitian Revolution, there are, there were women, like enslaved women, who would sleep um, mm-hmm. with slave owners, and then they would kill them when yeah. they were vulnerable. Like, those women are warriors. Yeah. Like, there are so many things. I think that that's important when we're talking about now, when we're talking, this is your history. This is where, like, especially if you are a black person, especially if you are um, a Haitian person, like, that's where you come from. Like, I think it's so important and so empowering to realize, like, where you come from and, like, mm-hmm. the history and the beauty of what it is like where your roots are like when I think about um my identity as a queer black person I think about like Marsha P. Johnson I think about ball culture um which if you don't understand ball culture go watch Paris is Branding, Kiki and Pose (laughs) all in the same all at the same not all at the same time that would be a lot that would be a lot that would be a whole like a whole day um but go watch those things when I uh when I think about like this understanding that that's where I come from and, yeah. like, that's what my ancestors did for yeah. me um, to be here, I think that that's also a very liberating thing yeah. to think about. Yeah. And then if we go all the way back, also, like, maroon culture, the fact that there were enslaved people who were running away from yeah. their captors and we're like we're gonna build our own little community i don't care what anyone says we like this is a foreign place but yeah we're gonna survive and i feel like that's important like we're gonna survive you know we're gonna we're gonna get through this and yeah the way we do that is by building a strong community strong yeah. activist community yeah and i think that just engaging in protest in any which way that you can um as a person with a disability i don't really march i don't like i can't stand for extended periods of time also if you are organizing protests or like like uh things like that like making sure like if you're gonna have like a like in Tallahassee, they do things at the Capitol where people are like standing for a really long time. Like you can bring chairs. Like it's that easy for you to do. Sure. You can organize for someone to drive people with disabilities. Like yeah. it's literally so easy for you to include people. It's like, why? Like you can't like. Obviously, you're gonna have to do research and things like that. But it's not as hard as you people make it seem. Yeah. Um, and there's different ways to engage in protests. Like making sure you know where you're putting your money. Um, it's like being like I try not try I don't buy like I don't know if it's Sabra or Sabra hummus but it's made in Israel that's yeah I'm sorry girl but there's other hummus well I do not you like can hummus make a, so we're I good. make my own hummus so uh, like, hum, hum. my hummus comes from Lebanon period only I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like there's so many different ways for you and you can also be educating other people and it doesn't have to be in a really you know serious tone a really serious tone like you can just talk and being like hey did you know this thing like like anytime someone uses the word marijuana i always be like hey did you know by the way that that term is like used Ooh, as a racist propaganda I like that. yeah just... i have never thought of that but now i'm gonna implement that yeah not that i make it into an interesting conversation since i brought up marijuana the reason we use marijuana was because (laughs) uh, the reason we use marijuana is because when they were making illegal they wanted to associate it with mexicans and mexicans used the term marijuana we didn't use that word in the united states before Mm -hmm. we were not we before they (laughs) were trying to make it illegal yeah it's true yes and so there are so many different ways to engage in liberation and there is, um, the last thing that I'm going to leave y'all with is Bobby Harrow's, um, I'm so sorry if I said their last name wrong, Cycle of Liberation that Gael is going to talk a little bit about. So one thing that's important with liberation is like, there's often like this critical moment where you're like, 
you have to wake up or like get woke. I feel like that's where the term comes from. And it's like something that's like a personal experience that like creates this like, hey, this is not right. And um, one thing I want to be mindful of is like at the basis of like liberation is like you always have to think about yourself in the sense like think about your like support system, your like how secure you feel, like your spirituality and your self-esteem. And then after you've like woken up, you start um, doing that research is like you try to gain um, inspiration educate yourself um like do like learn tools of like hey how can i like fight this like oppression and then one thing that's really important i think that's like the most important part of liberation is like building community Mm -hmm. so you need to start reaching out with like other people who are also facing the same thing or people who are just interested in just like working with you to fight that like oppressive system and then like so as a group you start organizing and like creating plans like concrete plans on ways to like combat that like oppression and eventually that that's gonna lead to change it might not take one it might not be overnight two days it might be years it might be even after you're long gone but that creates change and then like finally what's really important is like maintaining that change like we see like how after um schools were desegregated how long it took for a lot of schools to follow that rule so like it's really Mm -hmm. important to know like hey this law has been passed but it's important to like follow up and Mm -hmm. maintain that change because schools to this day are segregated oh period till this day why do you think charter schools are huh oh huh what what do you think private schools are okay let me let me just stop coming for the whole of south florida <laughs> right now <laughs> the whole education system, so um if we're gonna i be- think that's what's sorry no so the whole education system if we're gonna keep it 100 100 um suburbans okay so i think what's really important about the cycle of liberation is just reaching out and building that community that's going to have your back and that's going to work with you, that's going to organize these plans with you and to create those change, those lasting change. And knowing that, like, like these oppressive systems are really hard to combat, but also knowing that, like, people and, like, if you have enough people behind you, people can create a lot of change, you know? Nothing yeah. is ever too big to stop. Yeah, I completely agree. I we definitely have the power to dismantle Mm -hmm. colonization and colonialism and imperialism, imperialism and all those things sound really scary. And I know I said I was gonna leave us on the cycle of liberation. Something I did want to mention is that like you don't have to want to be a professional activist or Mm -hmm. whatever that even means, (laughs) um, or want to work for a nonprofit or a justice organization to make change. If you're a doctor who is educated about fat phobia and transphobia especially in like the mental health as well as the physical health like field um you can make such a difference by like treating patients um in a way that they deserve to be treated and also educating other doctors if you want to go into media of any form like whatever form of art like you can show real stories and like show responsible storytellings that demonstrate what real people and real marginalized people look like and sound like and talk like an experience and talk about real experiences you don't have to I don't want anyone to listen to this and think that I need to be out here supermanning and and if I can't do that then I can't do anything and I don't want you to you know sit there and like like revel in self-hate because of your oppressive behavior I think that the goal what I want you to do is to you know, reflect as much as you can. Self-reflection, as I mentioned earlier, is mm-hmm. rough. Yeah. <laughs> and um, to really see what ways that you can reach out and help and things of that nature. Um, and try to find resources of educating yourself. Really go to the library, y'all. Libraries are great. I know Please. I've said this before, but, like, <laughs> libraries are 100% fabulous. I think it's really important to, like, note that like we live in a very individualist society and how we need to um like boost that like collectiveness that we lack here because i've seen a lot of things where people are passionate about the same things but they do it all alone yeah 
Which is like, do you see how powerful you could be if yeah. all of y'all came together yeah. and it worked as one? You know, that makes sense? Yeah. So I think that's like one thing we need to work on is like become more of a, like learn the importance of collectivism and like community. Because that's where we really, um, that's where our strengths are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Gail, do you have any closing, closing thoughts? <laughs> um, no, not much. All I wanted to say is, Although you should, don't like overexert yourself, but also try to challenge yourself. So be comfortable, but not too comfortable. That's like something I like to say. Yeah. So just keep you challenging yourself, discomfort. but with limits too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that I believe in you and the power that you have, whoever you is like whoever you are. Hey you. Hey <laughs> you. Um, and I believe in us. Um, to really make change and to really um, help end oppressive behaviors and oppressive structures. Um, And other than that, I hope you all have a great day. And um, you all are actually getting two episodes this time around. Um, So I hope you go listen to the next episode that's out right now. And um, follow me at us uncomfortable on Twitter and Instagram and of course DM me questions that you would like for me to answer next time. Other than that, I hope y'all have a great day. Bye.